Welcome back to A People's History of the Old Republic, episode 1.15, the final season of the Clone Wars. Last time, we caught up on what it's like to come to the entire complete Skywalker saga as an adult with special guest Bert O'Brien. This time, we're talking about what happens when the kids show about a civil war turns surprisingly adult with the final season of the Clone Wars. I'm Kelsey, that's Luke, and there's always a little bit of truth in Legends. It's true. There is. So, Season 7 of The Clone Wars, the last and the latest and final, um, wrapped up on Monday, or May the 4th, if you will, um, and uh, by Disney law, we we all must. Um, and mm-hmm. it, and so it, they had done the thing with it was like it's not the flagship show of Disney Plus, but it's really like um, for people who got into it for the Mandalorian and had maybe seen Clone Wars some before and wanted to like catch up or get around to the rest of the series. They I think did a pretty good job. Um, concluding what is a like it's a seven season show um, mm-hmm. about what probably could yeah. yeah go ahead yeah they so I mean it's it's really good from the perspective that they um, so <clears throat> excuse me in case you don't know all these stories um have been told or at least shown in one form or another. So um, the Bad Batch arc, which was the first four episodes, um, and then uh, Ahsoka's Walkabout, which is the second four episode arc, um, they both made it to animatic stages earlier on. And uh, the Bad Batch arc was basically fully done, like in terms of voice acting and stuff like that. Now they came back and redid it, but, um, and they changed some things, but, but that story was really like fully fleshed out. Like you could, you could watch the entire animatic on starwars.com. Um, you might still be able to the, the old one. Um, and Ahsoka's walkabout, um, it changed, but they they changed out the the character. The two sisters were formerly like one guy, and but the story was was pretty much the same. Um, and then the siege of Mandalore has been told kind of in the Ahsoka book and uh, a little bit in Star Wars Rebels. So, like to be able to come back and to tell those stories. Um, that have sort of been told before and do it really well. And especially the last arc. Yeah. It, it was just, it was really, it was really good. A really good way to end a series that, um, you know, I think it did any, I think it did way more and went on way longer than anybody thought it would ever go. I mean, and the thing that I, 
The Clone Wars series does all the heavy lifting of the prequels in my mind. Um, it, I mean, it's that, God, it's that, that meme where the guy is celebrating and like going crazy and like drinking the champagne. And then you find out he's in third place. And to me, that's revenge of the Sith behind Tartakovsky's clone wars and this clone wars. Um, <laughs> because of just what, what the prequels needed was a way to feel like Anakin had been the great warrior that Obi-Wan talks about in the new hope and then had fallen. And you need to see him have both, um, meaningful connection and loss that isn't, um, I guess that is greater than just like the, the, the arc with Padme, I get, I get the, I get the, how it works. I get that. But I think, the arc with Ashoka, which is like, it's really like a mentor, right? It's a mentorship arc. And then to be so yeah. abandoned by your Padawan because the system that bends for you is fine, but is unable to bend for her is um, fascinating and um, really just adds a lot to the weight of betrayal to his search for um an apprentice um throughout basically and especially like focusing on luke at the at the end there um i know i think i think you just get a lot from how this show really fills in the details of a colossal event in in the canon yeah it i mean it it does uh it does a lot to smooth out the edges of um, of the prequels, and and like now for me, it is very difficult for me to separate. Like if you're talking about Anakin Skywalker, it's very difficult to separate like the way he was in um, Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith from the Clone Wars because. Um, it just develops the character so much like, you know, yes, I can compartmentalize the movies and talk about them separately, but at the same time, like, <clears throat> I mean, the Clone Wars sets up like literally dozens and dozens of reasons why Anakin wouldn't trust them. And I mean, in the last, uh, in the last arc of, or the, I think it was the next, the last episode of the siege of Mandalore arc, um, you know, Ahsoka basically dresses Obi-Wan down for, you know, even thinking to have Anakin spy on the council because, or on Palpatine because she knows it'll piss him off. And like he, I mean, he's already got like a, he's already got like a tenuous grasp on things anyway. Like, I mean, that's, that's always how Anakin is. And I mean, when you have the weight of being the chosen one and, you know, and you were a slave and everything like that, I can't say that I blame him, but at the same time, you know, he doesn't recognize that pa that Padme is visibly pregnant in the, in the first episode of bad batch. Like he, I like, I mean, I mean, maybe he was just like, no, nah, I'm, I'm not going to say anything. I, you know, I don't want her to think that I think she's fat, but like, I mean, no, nah, come on. Anakin's like, 
he's as dumb as a he's as dumb as a brick most of the well, time. But uh, also, what they get—I mean, I love him, but you know, yeah. what they Go get ahead, really sorry. well is that Anakin is maybe the one Jedi who loves the sense of purpose he gets in war. Um, and the other Jedi, like they're good at fighting. Right? Yeah, they have this thing where like. They've been in the order, and then the war has been like foisted upon them, and that's like a deviation from what they are. And Ahsoka wrestles with a lot of how like she went into the Jedi thinking they were something else, and then they ended up being these military leaders. But Anakin, um, probably alone among everyone, thrived in that environment and couldn't see a way to live outside of that war. Um, and we don't get a ton of Anakin in. In the uh, the final season, we get him in a few episodes, um, but they really show that he is at like the height of, um, and not the height of his powers. Right, he goes on to be the second most powerful figure in the galaxy, um, but we see him at a height, right, like at the peak of what the war means, how he has mastered his place in it, um, and then they do this thing, which is really well done where they managed to stitch the ending few episodes of the final season into events that happen in revenge of the Sith. And I think, um, at least my, my watch of it, they left space for the battle of Coruscant as depicted in the Tarnikovsky clone wars to also still be canon. (laughs) Well, in the, uh, in the first 10 minutes of the first episode of uh, the Siege of Mandalore, Grievous had already killed 97 Jedi on Coruscant alone, like in Tartakovsky's Clone Wars. He, at that point, he had like literally committed genocide against the entire species of, of Jedi. Just like he, he, you know, he just couldn't be stopped except by that train that his cape got caught on. I, you know, it's a really weird <laughs> moment. No capes. No capes. No, no capes. Yeah. Uh, um, no, they they did a yeah. They, I mean, they did a really, they did a really good job with it, and um, I like how I like how Obi Wan shows up in in the Siege of Mandalore arc, and like he's trying so hard to like to be a like good Jedi. He's trying so hard to like to be like a leadership figure for Anakin because. <clears throat> I mean, he can tell that Anakin is, like, losing his fucking mind. He's, like, in the first episode, Anakin's, like, uh, like, well, this is why, this is why Ahsoka got kicked out of the Order. Um, and he, uh, and uh, he's, he's, like, if she hadn't gotten kicked out of the Order, then she wouldn't have been in the right place at the right time to find Maul. And, and everyone's, like, yeah, um... No, like, I mean, and he's just trying so hard and, and Bo-Katan, you know, gives him shit about, um, Satine, his, uh, ex-lover, um, which she should have, Obi-Wan deserved that because he was being a dick, but, um, it's like, it's so, it's so weird how, like, they've put all this together and, the last, the I mean, the the entire season looked really good, and I mean, it's obviously an upgrade over every uh, over the other stuff they've done. But the last four episodes looked 
just fucking spectacular and like it's insane where they went where they went through like <laughs> from the first season where it literally looks like like old animatics like it it is that the animation is kind of that bare bones but like <clears throat> and i mean now like it is a like critically acclaimed literally a critically acclaimed um like extremely popular show like under Dave Filoni said he doesn't want to do anymore um he wants to leave it there and I mean I, I'm sure that's probably what'll happen but at the same time I'm sure someone at Disney or you know Lucasfilm or whoever is like uh hey why don't uh why don't we do another scene you know like why don't what do we do why don't we do another one of these but I mean I don't know I think you had to go out on on the top like that <laughs> It does. It has some truly gorgeous shots. I tried to. Um, I was watching on the on the iOS Disney Plus app, and uh, that one doesn't let you screenshot. But there's some gorgeous shots out there. Um, just the way they use light and color, and the the lines in the windows of the glass in the throne room on Mandalore is spectacular um one of the things and i want to talk a little bit more about this in a second is that the sheer the series yeah. starts super colorful and then goes to a very monocolor palette towards the end um and it's like and it, this is the shift you see and it is like as the clone wars get less like goofy and primary colors and become more like the stormtroopers and the whole everything goes to the the stuff of the empire but what they do so even working within that limited palette the way they let like the sun and the light catch on like etchings in glass in a throne room confrontation was just uh yeah yeah it, it was really uh it was really good and um Ray Park the actor who uh played uh Darth Maul in The Phantom Menace and uh Solo came back to do motion cap for the episode and like there, I don't know why it stuck with me so much, but when they were tight roping on the top, um, on the top of the structure on Mandalore and like they, you know, they really look like they're going to fall off. Like there is like some tension to the, like to the tight roping they're doing to, um, to to give it to give it to make it so tense and then there's like this um there's like this uh i don't know how to say it like they they they've gone so far in motion capture technology like i don't even know what to say because it just looked so good and they had the um the whole thing where uh where they were fighting in the throne room and the glass got blown out and everything like that and ahsoka like basically throws maul through the back glass and on the wall where she threw him there are like <laughs> there are lightsaber scorch marks on the wall where he flew through the glass but the but he still had his lightsaber on either side i don't know why it just looked that just looks so fucking cool to me. Like the, uh, the way that they did that. And the thing 
where I think it was the last episode where Ahsoka used her lightsabers to like core out the bottom, uh, the floor under her and Rex so they could yeah. get away from um, all the other clones. Like that, that was, that was fucking ridiculous. Like I can't, I, I, I cannot imagine that the show that I watched and you know, like it's got this like clunky version of Yoda, like running around and like fucking with battle droids and shit like that. And now it is this thing where like it is, it is literally visually stunning. And, um, to the point where like that whole thing just looked so fluid. Like it looked like it was, it didn't look like there was any like transfer between the, the motion cap and anything like that. It was just, it's just that well done. It. Yeah. The show managed to put together some really um, spectacular fight scenes worthy. um, Absolutely worthy of the franchise and the way they did it also always in service um, especially that last season is always in service of the story. Um, is tremendous. Um, there's, I mean, just the, like the whole Mandalore sequence is a fat, is a fascinating place to end the show on because one of the fundamental things we learn about Mandalore in the show is that they have a treaty with the Republic um, that they manage their own affairs and to not like. Um, have like Republic enforcement on there. And then the Republic army gets invited in to throw out malls, crime syndicate that's running things. And it like, you can see how this would be like, what does, what does it mean when the war spills out? Um, and like, you have a power struggle for leadership and then it becomes this thing and everything gets drawn into one war rather than it being like a lot of little wars. Um, and basically Every arc features that to some extent in the all the, the all three arcs. There's the um, the first arc, the Bad Batch, which is a delightfully goofy, probably the goofiest of them, and probably the most in keeping with like the the whole tone of the original show. But like, there's a planet where the separatists have a you know, secret lab and whatnot. And there's an indigenous population that gets pulled into the war because that's what happens in Clone Wars. Um, And you get the sense, right? You get the feeling of how did this war play out? What was it like for the whole galaxy to have experienced it at such a level where they know, right? The moment we start shooting back, we aren't like, self-defense this isn't like our little village this is we are now a side in a galactic struggle god damn it i swear this fucking mute <laughs> this mute button on my mic oh god <clears throat> what i was saying is the treaties are so funny like uh, what what in the name of like who signed this treaty? What was it for? Where was it signed? What is its name? Uh, like, obviously, like, this is dumb bullshit. And, like, 
it doesn't matter at all. But at the same time, like I want to know these things because like, I want to see what kind of treaties that they, that they sign. Like, what is the, what is the galactic treaty of Westphalia? That's what I (laughs) And that's a joke for like 45 people. And I hope you all enjoy it. Uh, But (laughs) um, like, the, no, ending in Old Mandalore is is really interesting because, like, they use Mandalore, but I mean, the entire time you know that like Mandalore was only a, was only a backdrop, like because the real the real setting here is like the ticking time bomb in the background of order 66 you know like and when i was watching it and there were all these like um links to uh, revenge of the sith i kept trying to figure out like okay if obi-wan is on utapau and you know i mean like we're literally like 10 15 20 minutes like real real life minutes from or you know in their universe from uh from order 66 and it's like and and, you know you get this like palpable sense of dread and and um they uh and and and, i mean i thought they handled it real well with like uh with rex um with rex uh you know he he tried to hunt us or you know he did hunt ahsoka and then she um uh, you know, and then she was able to uh, remove his chip and everything like that. And, and, and like, I just, I thought they handled it really well. And it's, it's very interesting to me that, um, they've done, um, in the last few months, they've done like the two e- easily, the two best, uh, depictions of order 66, um, in the entire series or in the entire franchise, um, you know, revenge of the Sith and, comics and everything like that included um they did one in jedi fallen order which is really fantastic and we're going to do an episode about that um here pretty soon um but uh but but the whole order 66 thing with ahsoka where she's just like dodging all this stuff and you know i counted and and I think she only killed like two of those clones like she knocked them out or you know would disarm them or, or whatever. And, and I mean, I think that's a, that's a really interesting way to do it. Uh, you know, because, um, like you could just, like Ahsoka is always, is always the best Jedi, even though she's not a Jedi. And that's one of the reasons that she's a really good character. I think one of the things that's really stand out here, um, is like stun weapons are, canon um they're canon from like the opening minutes of star wars um like the clarification right like set blasters to to kill um pretty sure i remember that right um but the way that we don't like it's canon but it's so rarely used because the fights are assumed to be final but this is the legion of troopers that ashoka is given as sort of like a as a gift really by Anakin that she's like fought with alongside before, but also they have her face painted on their helmets, um, and that that's the one that she has to like fight for all of this. It was quite something, and then the the way they handle 
Um, because canonically, Rex lives all the way through the Battle of Endor. Um, he's he's the old guy um, in the when they do the pictures of like who are, who did the rebels send to the Battle of Endor? There's this really old guy, and that is, I believe, been at least was maybe still as canon Rex. And how do you get there if his reaction to Jedi is uh, to murder them on sight? Um, and so having it be that he <laughs> deliberately pulled out of Order 66 was a really, like, they didn't need to do it, right? You can assume all sorts of things happen. Um, oh, the Order was invalidated, this or that, or like the chip degraded or whatever. But to reckon with it, um, that he knew it was coming and then it happened and then Ahsoka is able to save him from it was quite the moment. And there's not like a triumphant super ending. The ending, which is I think something they did very well here, is that Ashoka and Rex escape. Um, In the process, Darth Maul escapes um, and a whole ship full of, a whole cruiser full of clone troopers crashes and dies. Um, and then, do we want to talk about the uh, that, that ending scene? Yeah, I, yeah that that was that was something. That uh, yeah, I like. I don't even. I don't know what to say. Like, just the whole, just the whole thing with like uh, with Vader being like. I didn't I didn't expect to see Vader and like it's a real interesting way for them to do it because the Ahsoka um book they talk or she talks about like like burying her lightsaber and like Rex's guns and all that sort of stuff. Um and so it's it's interesting to see, you know, that they buried all of those clones and you know, and then they buried they buried them with them. Um and you know, Anakin shows up, or Vader shows up, and he's like, "Well, shit! Uh, <laughs> I thought I could get, I thought I could get me a dark side apprentice, <laughs> and now, now she's dead." And and I mean, they they thought she was dead um, before Rebels because there's, uh, it's like, I want to say it's like uh, season two of rebels where vader finds out that she's alive and he tells the apprentice and he tells uh the emperor um and you know so so they i guess i guess the ruse worked i was wondering if it was a ruse or like a ceremony because um rise of skywalker also ends with lightsaber bearing and i was wondering if this is just like what they do now i mean no like in the Ahsoka book, she says, you know, I buried my old lightsabers because, you know, there had to there had to be proof. Like, if the lightsabers were missing, they weren't going to believe it. Um, and that she sort of she sort of intimates that 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 Rex did the same thing um, with his blasters and everything like that. But you know, there wasn't much more discussion about it. And I mean, like some parts of, of the final arc do contradict little things in the Ahsoka book, like her lightsabers being blue instead of green, which, you know, is another thing. Um, and then there are like a cup, like a couple of the like 
um, interactions, uh, dialogue between her and Maul is, is slightly different, but you know, nothing that like changes the, you know, any part of either story, you know, it's the same thing. Like she opposed them all. They fought, you know, and it doesn't change anything about the Ahsoka book when they change it here and they give Maul like a little bit more depth instead of just being like, you know, the, the random nefarious bad guy. He's, um, you know, he's got a reason he was going to throw a wrench in, in Palpatine's plans. And I've seen some people, you know, say like, Oh, you know, Maul was trying to be good. Like, no, he was just trying to fuck with Palpatine. Like he would like, you know, he wasn't doing it because he was like, Oh, I'm going to turn over a new leaf. He was, you know, he was doing it to, you know, to fuck with his old master, but you know, it's, you know, I, I thought you that, what you can get, huh? I thought they gave, yeah, the, the depth they gave Maul was really interesting. And again, it's uh, one of the stranger things of the Clone Wars show. And I mean, it's for plenty of people who never watched any of the television, um, Maul coming back at the end of Solo is out of absolutely nowhere. Um, Clone Wars gives the background for it right like he half of him survived and through the force and he was able to piece together a body with of robot parts with that he could find in like the trash and whatnot it's it's a weird arc it's a really interesting arc if like how do you how do you make a character canon again who is canonically sliced in half and down a pit um but they oh, do it yeah. as well as you can. And one of the things that's interesting about him, about Maul and Mandalore, is he starts trying to... He sets this as a trap, aiming to get Anakin or Obi-Wan. Um, but instead, he gets Ashoka. But he does it in the tunnels, which is where we, when we first see Maul in Clone Wars, he is. He's just this, like, monster in tunnels. Um and that's yeah. <laughs> that's that's funny. Monster in tunnels. I like that. Um, no, it, it's good that they gave Maul uh something to do other than um to be like a punching bag for uh for Palpatine or um being a dick to Obi Wan. But uh, but like he's he's it's such an interesting character because he's not he's not good he's not anything like that but the way that they take him from being you know this guy that gets chopped in half like a villain who you know i thought i thought it would have been cool if they stuck with him a little bit longer um in the prequel trilogy but uh you know to bring him back and i mean you know some people don't want him brought back like whatever, that's fine. I get it. But, uh, you know, to do it and then to be able to take him all the way up to where he's like actively involved in trying to like foil order 66 is a really interesting way to do it. And I mean, I honestly don't think they would have, they would have done that if like they hadn't, uh, done so well with Maul in, in rebels. Um, because, uh, uh, you know how how he uh, he shows up and he tries to mess with Ezra's plans and um, and uh, 
you know, and then he shows up and he gets killed by Obi-Wan. And that's a really good lightsaber fight if you hadn't ever, or lightsaber duel if you hadn't ever seen it. Um, <laughs> I, 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 don't, I don't remember who, uh, who said it, but somebody called him uh, Sisyphus. And it's just <laughs> the best description ever because he's just always trying and always failing. All, always failing. Wait, what about Sisyphus? There we go. Sisyphus. Yep. I was going to say it if you weren't. Um, <laughs> he had the, <laughs> had the idea, right, that his motivation is he has been, he was close to, and then cast aside and abandoned by um, the most powerful, malevolent force in the universe is fascinating because it's one of those things where, like, he doesn't ever, he doesn't want to do good, but he certainly doesn't want to be at the receiving end of Armageddon. <laughs> Um, and that's enough of a motivation. It's a really interesting little arc. Um, the way, well, like they, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Well, I was just going to say like they, they established in, um, uh, I think it was like season five of the Clone Wars that like Maul was taken way, way too young to, um, to understand um, what was happening. Like he was taken and indoctrinated by uh, Sidious as, you know, like a, like a four or five year old child, you know, so he never had any choice in the matter. And I mean, Obi-Wan says that to him in, in, I think it's season five. He, he literally says, you know, I know you didn't have a choice. I know this wasn't your fault. Like, Maul is an interesting character. He's a good character, but he's an incredibly tragic character because I mean, like he was literally like, uh, uh, taken from his mother, uh, as a baby. Um, and, uh, and like raised by him raised in this way of life that he had no choice about. And, um, he gets chopped in half and he somehow survives and like everything he tries, like even when he builds up this like petty crime syndicate on this like backwater planet, which is what Mandalore is um, at that point. And he's, he's still like something always happens. And like in this case, it's, you know, yeah. Armageddon, it's the entire galaxy changing, but, uh, but yeah. Yeah. And so one of the things um, we haven't talked much about, probably because it's the the weakest part of the latest season, though it's not like weak per se, is the middle section of Ashoka's walkabout, where she stumbles into um, friendship with some people trying to survive in the lower levels of course on this, like this sister pair. Um, and they get caught up in some crime that's bigger than them. Um, good, good meme out of it. Good, good meme about the 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 worst option being chosen. Uh, great moment, but um, and it ties. They made to stitch together all the episodes so that the the uh, like the traditional ones have like a few minutes to like set set up the next arc, and then this one they set it up where uh, Darth Maul is in league or is not in, not in league is orchestrating um, the black or the Crimson Dawn uh, criminal syndicate, um, which is fascinating. Um, and a little thing there, but like that arc itself, 
most of the value, right, is in Ashoka observing for the first time outside the Jedi Order what life is like for people who just, like, know the Jedi exist but don't really have any connection to them. Yeah, and I I didn't realize this at the time, but I found it out um, after. But the... uh the thing that they talk about where their parents died and like the Jedi just, you know, kind of were like, yeah, whatever, fuck off. Um, that happened in season one of the Clone Wars when Cad Bane broke, uh, zero, the hut, I guess, out of, uh, out of jail. Um, and so it's, uh, yeah, they tie it back into that. I, I didn't catch it at the time, but, and they tie it back into something they did uh, a while ago. And I wasn't the biggest fan of like two, like the two middle episodes of this arc, because I really hate it when people and not people and characters do stupid things solely for the furtherance of the plot. Like it just really bothers me. And when they like hide, when they hide things and the only reason that they hide it is because it will like it will advance the plot to to hide it and make it seem more mysterious like it just it just bothers me i'm like no i don't i don't want to uh you know i, I don't like that yeah, absolutely. just you know come up with a better reason and like when she dumped the stuff i was like god damn it um no i just i, I don't like it when when people do that kind of stuff and um you know stupid stuff just to further the plot and it's like i mean I, I get it whatever like um i understand what the episodes are for but it's just like uh you know i mean that was frustrating to me but at the same time um it had ahsoka so can't be that bad yeah i yeah there's one where they literally like they just end up back in the same place where like a lot happens you see mandalorians hanging yeah. out in the background um yeah, yeah, there. Yeah, one. I think it's the second episode. They basically just like, like, well, we're in prison. Nope, oh, we we staged a daring escape. Ah, oh, we're back in prison again at the end of the like. The entire episode is like just so you can you know waste thirty minutes and do some exposition or whatever. <laughs> but I think like as a whole, right? The the it felt like a very satisfying end to a very long story we get this tale of the clones and like as you mentioned right the bad batch they're tasked to liberate a left behind clone who's been turned into a strategic computer a tactical computer by the separatists um you you still get the feeling of like the separatists with their like gross experimentation and one of the things um clone wars does Wells, it sits in the uncomfortable place where you know that the Republic Army immediately becomes the Empire. But you have to feel that the villains they're fighting are also villainous. Um, and so... Yeah. What, is this Wat Tambor? Yeah, that was Wat Tambor and Admiral Trench was the spider-looking guy. And yeah. I hate spiders. So, yeah, I was glad <laughs> that he got his. I mean, I'll say he's a villain yeah. or whatever, but, you know, fuck spiders. Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> it was a good moment. And then what was really, I thought, remarkable 
So they have this bad batch and like the whole thing is right. Oh, these were clones that like came out weird. And so that way you can get like some variation and you get your like extremely like straight up archetypes of what mm-hmm. like, the, like the suicide squad or you're like dirty dozen or whatever, that kind of thing. Um, but they take in the, the uh, echo, the clone who had been turned into a, yeah. into a separatist computer at the end. And that was, an extremely charming moment um, as they. Yes. And then you realize yeah. that they, all I was going to say is, and then you realize that they do order 66. So a few minutes. Yeah. Later. Well, we don't know what Jedi. Uh, yeah. But yeah. Yeah. yeah uh, so it's, I mean, it's, I guess it's in line with the rest of the series, but Ahsoka's walkabout happens chronologically before Bad Batch and uh, and uh, the Siege of Mandalore, which basically happened like um, pretty close together. I don't know exactly how close, but pretty close. Yeah, it's some tight pacing on this, and that's one of the other interesting things too, right, is there are seven seasons of Clone Wars for events that take place in what is canonically a three-year time. Like, Clone Wars is not super long at all by the scale of wars in Star Wars. No. No, not at all. So what 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 was your uh, what was your favorite part of the uh of of the season? Of uh, this season? Um I mean, I think my favorite part of this season was the first episode of um, the walkabout actually I thought was really charming um, because it's just like Ahsoka yeah. figuring out like the bare minimum of life outside the Jedi order. Um, and then there's yeah, just this. She like, has very... a meet cute with. Uh... Yes. Yes. No, the meet cute. And they are both like, you know, the denim jacket and they're repairing motorcycles at the, um, in the garage. It's, it's a lot of good tropes going for it. Um, I really liked that one a lot. I thought it was a lot of good insight. And then I think really the um, the way the Siege of Mandalore pays out um, was deeply satisfying because there's just a whole host of unpleasant unpleasant violent people there. And they spend, like, they're fighting this war, this battle, which is as far as they know, one of the one of the last possible battles of the war, at least it sounds like a towards the end of the mm-hmm. war battle more than a beginning or middle. Um, and you just get a lot of characters wondering what their role will be without war. Um, and uh, good for you. There's no real time without war in this universe. Uh, did not pick the, um, the star peaceful interlude franchise. <laughs> no, we, we did. We did not try star peace. Um, yeah, I'm. I'm gonna. I'm gonna stay uh, on brand and say that my favorite part was um, every reference to Revenge of the Sith. So, um, yeah, that was a lot. That was. That was a, honestly. That was a lot of them. There was the. Uh, oh, there was. Uh, yeah, the 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 council scene where Mace is a dick to uh, Ahsoka, which I was glad because I mean, if if. 
Star Wars has taught us anything. It's Mace Windu is an asshole. So, um, yeah, I was I was glad that was in there. Um, but I think I guess I think um, outside of the Siege of Mandalore, which I thought was great and it's probably my favorite arc of the entire series. Uh, yeah, the the first episode of the walkabout was really good, and um, the uh, the. I liked a lot of the stuff in Bad Batch. I just I thought it was uh, I thought it was really interesting, and I was like when uh, like when when we uh, when we learned that clones are uh, you know they're they're individual. I like when I like when that shows up, and we we see that you know Rex wants to go back for Echo. Yeah, I, and it's it's really like the some of the the finest stuff put together for. The series in the series is, um, and if you if you have not checked it out, Luke has a good guide to the uh, seventy one episodes or so to watch instead of the or seventy six episodes instead of one hundred twenty one episodes of Clone Wars. There's a lot that feels unnecessary in the show, but none of there's a lot of Clone there's Wars. One, <laughs> there's a lot of Clone Wars. There's maybe one episode I would skip from this whole thing and be basically the same and that's the one where they start in prison and end up exactly in the same place um and i just like the the way they do it all like though that they're escaping in like a proto y-wing at the end is magnificent um the way that again like the color drains from the universe this is something i find really fascinating is it's all bright primary colors at the start of clone wars um, and by the end, it's all the Imperial, like, gray and white and black uh, paneling with, like, the most muted olive uniforms. Uh, so, the, so the Mandalore, the way they build Mandalore up to where you where the, where the fighting is, like, it could be very much a throwaway or very, like, too wink, wink, nod. That, like, why does this planet, why do these people all have jetpacks? It's like, well, they're big city. <laughs> is super multi-storied and under a dome and has like an elaborate like sewer network so it's a very like vertical environment anyway and then when you have the fighting basically on the catwalk of a domed city was just stunning yeah and yeah in this the scene in the uh in the very last episode where they open up the, uh, the bay of the Venator, uh, the Venator class ship and they're over that moon. And like, it just, it makes this like a weird, like inception type noise or what it's like, but it does it. And, and the way that it does it is just so good. And it, um, and the way that the ship drops out of hyperspace, just breaking apart is, I mean, like it's just fantastic. Like the, this show has no business looking that good. I mean, it just doesn't. And it's, I mean, it just looks so, um, it looks so good coming out of that. And then, um, and then and then you're right like they come out and this world is just like a you know like a desert or like a bleached white or beige or something like that and we end and um 
you know, there's no color. It's just all these all these stormtroopers were in white and there's snow and Vader is there in black. And then the last thing you see is the color on uh, on one of the masks. I mean, that's, you know, it's the only color you see at the end because the rest of it's just white and, and black, you know, very, very, uh, <laughs> very intentional, I guess. And it really, like, so I um, have been negligent in my quarantine television and not really done a ton of Rebels yet, but, like, I immediately, I've, I've watched, like, the first, the pilot, right, the first two episodes, but immediately after seeing that last shot of Clone Wars, I was like, okay, this is exactly what I need to do. This is the stage of the universe I really, mm-hmm. you know, need to sink in and invest myself in and definitely... Hope there's uh, absolutely no staggering heartbreak contained in that series. So much. So, uh, so much. <laughs> I mean, because the, the difference, I mean, in that regard, the difference between Rebels and uh, Clone Wars is you don't know what's going to happen to those characters in Rebels. Um, I mean, you know, like they can't really play a big part in the universe because of a new hope and everything, but you don't know what's going to happen with them. You know, we knew exactly what was happening at the end of the Clone Wars with Anakin and Obi-Wan and all them because, you know, they, there was a movie about it. (laughs) It Episode three. Um, but, but yeah, it's, uh, it, it. Rebels is just rebels. The very end. I mean, it's it's great, but it's just a kick in. It's just a kick in the gut. Just <laughs> oh, good. I'm looking forward to it. I mean, I, I mean this genuinely. I'm like super excited to feel to experience Star Wars where I don't know the outcome of the characters again. Um, very excited. Um. Do we have any other anything any other thoughts on this on this arc or this last bit of Clone Wars? I'm sure um, listeners, if you have questions about them, please feel free to email or tweet at us. Um. Mm. I'm sure someone will ask. Um, it, I'm, I'm sure someone will ask, but uh, um, the reason that the lightsabers are blue instead of green is because Anakin changed the color of the kyber crystals, which I didn't really know you could do. Um, And like Dave Filoni said this in like an interview. So, I mean, like, I guess it's like, I guess it's, I mean, it's canon because we've seen the effects of it and everything. Um, You know, there's like bleeding a crystal, which is what Sith do. They turn their, their, their crystals red and you can cleanse one and turn it, I guess, white, which is what Ahsoka did with hers in Rebels, but, um, or before Rebels, but like, uh, but, but, you know, Anakin turned the, the crystals blue and Filoni said, you know, they did it because they liked the way the blue stood out with everything, you know, on the show. Um, but at the same time, they also did it like to show like how much Anakin, you know, still cared about Ahsoka. And he still obviously loved Ahsoka because he was still caring for her lightsabers and everything. But at the same time, his love is always this um, uh, selfish thing because, I mean, he turned the 
color of her lightsaber crystals, you know, he, he changed them and, and he did it because he thought it was better that way. And I mean, I know she gave up her lightsabers, but that still seems like a, like, like a, like a big invasion of, uh, of, of her, you know, of her space. Um, and that's how Filoni, uh, said he said you know he meant it to be so you know that that adds another dimension both to you know how much anakin cares but at the same time he he always twists that into a very uh selfish form of love or you know whatever absolutely um and i think really like that's the the thing you get um out of all of this is that the Clone Wars tells a lot of good stories on its own, but it is, I think, fundamental to understanding um, or to giving Anakin an arc of loss and isolation while at the peak of his own abilities, of his feeling powerless in the face of the actions of others, even when he is clearly demonstrating so much power on the battlefield and at war um, and in the force. And it's a really interesting arc. And I think the, the master stroke of the Clone Wars writ large, right, is giving us, um, giving him an apprentice, giving us Ashoka, and then having her exit the Jedi um, and leave that yeah, behind. Yeah, and making right? it compelling. Yeah. Right. And we know, right, like, there's a way to tell the story poorly or to tell it incomplete, I think. I mean, we. I will praise Tarkovsky's Clone Wars any chance I get, but you get nothing so powerful of Anakin's arc there. It really tells the rest of the story sort of around Anakin as this cardboard cutout character. Um, but here you get it, um, and they carry it through, and they stick the landing. Um, they really stuck the landing here. Yeah, I, I think that's... Uh, I don't think there's any... Uh... Any better way to say it than they stuck the landing. They did a damn good job. This has been us on season seven of the Clone Wars. Thank you all for listening to this episode of A People's History of the Old Republic. We are continuing our post-KOTOR 2 exploration of other themes in canon. Um, We're going to be continuing that for a bit before we dive into the Old Republic. So if you have questions and comments or things you want us to talk about, email us or tweet at us. We are Photorpod um, on Twitter and photorpodcast at gmail.com. Again, send us questions, comments. We will answer them and explore them in future episodes. I'm Atherton KD on Twitter. And I'm Matt Luke is amazing on Twitter. Thank you again. And may the force be with you. <laughs>